Hello, and welcome to the review of Myopia Management Podcast Series. I am John Saylor, Editor-in-Chief of Review of Myopia Management, and we are here today with Dr. David Hammond, Lead Clinical Scientist at CooperVision, and Dr. Debbie Jones, Clinical Scientist at the Center for Ocular Research and Education. Today, we are going to take a look behind the scenes of the international seven-year MySight one-day clinical study to find out what went into a study of that scale. Dr. Hammond, could you please recap what the MySight one-day clinical study involved? Hi, John. It's great to be with you today and Debbie. So the MySight one-day study is quite a complex study that spans seven years, and it evolved over time. Uh, In the first three years of the study, we did a traditional clinical paradigm where uh, the children were allocated to either a treatment group, that of MySight one day, or a control group, single vision lenses. And these first three years of data led to that pivotal FDA approval, improving the myopia control effect of that lens. After this time, we extended the study, and between years four and six, all children were treated with MySight one day, And then at the end of the study in the final year, all of those children were then taken out of the MySight and put into single vision lenses to see what the effect would be when treatment was stopped. Now, this is the longest running soft contact lens study among children that we know of. And it had a diversity of clinical sites all around the world, from uh, Debbie in Canada, through Portugal, United Kingdom and Singapore. So it was a very uh, diverse population. Okay, excellent. So now, Dr. Jones, can you tell us a bit about your role in the study? Yeah, thanks, John. I'm delighted to share my perspective on being involved in the study. So as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm a clinical scientist at the Center for Ocular Research and Education, called CORE for short, as well as a professor at the School of Optometry. And I was the lead investigator for the Waterloo site. We actually enrolled the largest number of participants in the study, 64 of the 144 total. So we were the biggest site of the four. And of course, we saw the participants according to protocol for their initial screening. And then at regular intervals, which was a week, a month, three months, six months, and then six monthly thereafter for the duration of the whole seven years. As with any uh, randomized clinical trial, of course, we were masked. So the study was double masked with lenses marked as lens A or lens B. And nobody within core knew which lens was which. That included the participants and, of course, the researchers and the clinical assistants who were, were dispensing the lenses to the children. At enrollment, children were aged 8 to 12, so we were seeing young children to be fit with lenses. But, of course, that meant by the end of the seven years, we were actually seeing participants um, changing from being young children at the initial visit to uh, young adults and even driving themselves to the uh, study visit. So it was was quite novel to be able to follow these children right through their MySight journey for those seven years. Interesting. That That is a long time. So now following up on that, uh, when planning to take on research of this scale, uh, what are some of the challenges uh, that such clinical studies uh, might face? All clinical studies have challenges, and the biggest ones are recruitment and then retention. Um, Recruiting for a contact lens study for young children is certainly a challenge, um, as parents are often initially reluctant and concerned about contact lens wear. 
primarily can their children handle lenses and would it be able to fit into their daily routines? So in those busy morning routines of getting kids off to school, would they be able to spend that extra time to put contact lenses in? Um, And we found that providing clear instruction was essential and also reassuring that generally children are actually very capable of wearing and handling lenses and that helped to ease the concerns of the parent. And ultimately, we had great retention rates throughout the whole of the study through all of the four sites, really demonstrating that kids as young as eight can be fit successfully with a MySight contact lens or indeed any contact lens and uh, wear them successfully for an extended period of time. Of course, there are dropouts and you have that with any clinical study. You have to expect that some patients or some participants, sorry, will drop out. Some families moved away. Changes in lifestyle automatically led to dropout. But as I mentioned, the overall retention rate was really very good across the four sites. And I believe we had 108 participants continuing into the part two of the study, so past the initial three years and actually continued on through to year six and year seven. Um, So there are challenges, but with good education and good information, you can overcome those. Okay, good. Excellent. Uh, Very interesting. So did anything else come up as the study progressed? Yeah, after three years, it became very obvious that my site was very effective at treating myopia in this population. We saw a 59% on average uh, treatment effect over that three years. And really part of this, Debbie plays into this quite well, and part of the conversations that uh, Debbie and the other sites around the world had is when we wanted to extend this study, originally it was going to be three years and we wanted to extend the study, well, um, we were under a significant amount of pressure to actually change everyone into the MySight group because the lens worked so well. It was a great problem to have. Um, and that's part of the reason why we changed to this experimental paradigm in that year three to year six of the study, year four to year six, over those three years, uh, all the participants were put into or fit into a MySight myopia control lens. And when we did that, we were really delighted that at the end of the six years, we actually had an experimental paradigm now where we had children that had been treated for the entire six years with MySight and for three years. And what we saw was that uh, myopia control occurred in both of those groups in the final part of the study. Okay, great. And Dr. Jones, anything you notice uh, come up during the study? I would just follow on from uh, what David just said. I mean, even though it was a double masked study so that nobody knew what lens A was or what lens B was, it became evident early on in the study that one of the groups, A or B, was not progressing Um, with myopia compared to the others. So we were seeing no changes in refractive error or minimal changes. And so whilst we remained masked, we had a good indication that something good was happening here. And it was actually um, quite heartwarming to have everybody then switched into what was the unmasked MySight group at the end of the three years. And then, of course, to retain that group for three more years um, and in some cases into that fourth year um, when we took the participants out of MySight. So it was really encouraging as a clinician when I'm looking at patients and how I manage them, the fact that we were managing the participants as we would a clinical patient, we were giving them a a good opportunity to have their myopia progression um, slowed down. It was uh, was great to be part of that for this cohort of 
of participants who, who are really just regular people as they would be patients in a clinical practice. The other thing was um, the slit lamp findings or indeed lack of slit lamp findings. So again, as a clinician, even in a, a clinical research study, of course, you're always mm-hmm. aware of the ocular health of the participants. And uh, as a clinical study, as, as all studies, you're doing very extensive slit lamp assessments and making sure that the eyes remain healthy. And really throughout those uh, seven years for the participants that stayed that long, there was really very little to be seen. And so we were confident that not only were the participants getting the benefit of a myopia control product, they were also um, remaining very healthy from an ocular perspective. So there was no ocular health issues to worry about. That's great. Some uh, possibly some good unexpected outcomes there. So going back to uh, switching the, the control group, um, how did you handle uh, not having a traditional control group after the switch? Yeah, it's a great question, John. It, it was a challenge. So it's always challenging in clinical studies when you have a delayed treatment start group. So you're not doing a traditional paradigm of a test control, uh, test to a control comparison. But fortunately, there, we had a wealth of statistical methods available with this, uh, to us to assist in doing this. And we use quite a few different analysis methods of varying complexity. And first off, what we did quite simply was we compared the rate of myopia progression in year three to six between the group that had recently all started MySight at the three-year mark and those who had worn MySight for the entirety of the six years. And what we found was that there was no difference in the rate of progression between the groups when they um, both wore MySight one day in year three to six. And if we remember now that one of these groups had worn the single vision lens for three years, well, they were more myopic when they started MySight at that uh, four-year mark than the group that had worn the MySight uh, already for the first three years. But we saw the myopia control effect was the same. And what this suggests is that the baseline myopia level when commencing treatment is not a factor in the generalizability of the treatment effect. And that's really important. But what we also did, because we didn't have that concurrent control group, is we developed what's called a virtual control group model. And the aim here was to produce a model of our control group data set uh, that models the average myopic growth that would have occurred if treatment uh, hadn't been instigated, so if they were untreated. And therefore, we can model what the control group would have done if we'd kept them in single vision lenses, lenses for the duration of the study. And the virtual control group modeling has been an excellent method of predicting treatment efficacy. And it's shown that age is the more important predictor of annual myopia progression than, let's say, baseline myopia or axial length. And a really nice thing about this virtual control model that we developed is that it's actually concordant and aligns with a model presented by Mark Bullimore and Noel Brennan of untreated myopia growth. So it's a nice independent uh, validation that our model is, is accurate with others. And when we applied our virtual control model, it revealed a substantive myopia control effect through that full six years of treatment. And once again, it showed by another method that on average, MySight one-day contact lenses reduced myopia progression in children by about half. And this also helps support our findings that MySight one-day contact lenses, with them, you can expect myopia progression to slow by about 50% when treatment is commenced. And this will continue until you take the children out of the contact lenses for the entirety of the treatment. 
Uh, the last thing I'd say here in the seventh year of the study, we took all the children out of the MySight lenses and put them into single vision lenses. And we once again used our virtual control model. And this was really valuable because when we took the children out of the MySight lens and back into single vision, their myopia progressed on average what we would expect in our model for that same uh, age group. And this was a great result because it, pro it provides another measure to support the validity of our virtual control model that we've used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds like very clear results from that approach. Um, so it sounds like you learned something uh, pursuing that particular type of analysis. Uh, what is it that, that others can learn from, from that type of approach? So what we learned from the study and how it was structured is that it's really important to look at the length of the myopia control uh, treatment period. And really, when an eye care practitioner is instigating treatment of a myopia control method, this isn't a one-year commitment. This is a long-term commitment to that child to undertake significant myopia control. And the power of the study is that we followed children from quite young ages, as uh, Debbie said, all the way through their teenage years. And what we've found from the study is that there is a long-term benefit from MySight one-day myopia control. So I think with this in mind, it's really important to think for any other myopia control therapies that come along, that there is an equivalent period of long-term research to demonstrate the usefulness and effectiveness of those treatments. Okay, and continuing onward, what would you like to see next in the research sphere? Yeah, we're really excited about the growing body of research in the area of myopia, and there's lots and lots of new uh, studies and data coming out. And one thing that I'd like to say is that uh, CooperVision is still the only company with an FDA and recently a, a Chinese NMPA approval for myopia control product. And from personal experience, I can tell you that both the FDA and NMPA process is rigorous in attaining approval for the myopia control indication. And really, I hope the future brings evaluation of different treatment op options by regulators. And the reason for this is that it increases the evidence base available to eye care practitioners when evaluating a myopia control device to help them see which device is most appropriate for their patients. And part of this is CooperVision, we're really committed to providing myopia control treatment in formats that are suitable for all patients' lifestyles and needs. And this is one of the driving forces behind the recent joint venture between Cooper Companies and Essilor Luxottica to enable Sightglass Vision to really accelerate the development process and to commercialize spectacle lenses for myopia control. So while MySight One Day is still the first and only FDA-approved contact lens to slow myopia progression, uh, we know that there'll be other approved options uh, that will be emerging in the USA, and hopefully this helps once again bolster the standard of care uh, for myopia control. Absolutely, yes. There's uh, lots of treatments coming out for uh, managing myopia. So thank you both for your insights uh, you've shared today. Uh, now to wrap up, what would you say are the top takeaways for ECPs that they can apply to their practice? 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, David's explained very nicely how the seven-year study demonstrated the efficacy of my site one-day contact lenses to slow down the progression of myopia in that 8 to 12 age group at initiation of treatments. That's certainly a, a big takeaway from the clinical study and from the data that's been published. The study also confirmed more generally that contact lenses are an option for young children and age should really not be a determinant factor when choosing a myopia control modality or I would say indeed any optical um, or sorry, an optical correction for any vision need. Um, so it's a consideration for children with any um, optical correction needs. My overriding take-home message, I think, would have to be that we need to ensure as clinicians that all children receive eye care from a very early age and that we need to intervene as soon as myopia is evident. It's just not acceptable to wait until progression is demonstrated. We know that myopia, of course, is not reversible. And even though it's not been stated as such in many countries around the world, we as clinicians really need to make myopia control as our standard of care for all myopic patients, even before the regulatory authorities tell us that we should do. Yes, agreed. Absolutely. Thank you both, Dr. Hammond and Dr. Jones, for your time today. And thank you for listening to this review of Myopia Management Podcast. And we would also like to thank Cooper Vision for sponsoring this podcast.